Welcome to Three Song Stories, home of the song story, which we define as stories and memories that are brought forth almost magically when we come across certain songs. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest this week is J. Robert Hotelling. J. Robert is a fourth-generation Floridian who was born in Bradenton in 1949, but was raised in Immokalee until his family moved to Tampa in 1955. He's a multi-instrumentalist who performs on violin, fiddle, guitars, mandolin, dobro, banjo, harmonica, and ukulele, and he's produced several albums with the Trinidadian Steel Pan. He says his true heart lies in his songwriting and movie scores. Jay Robert is a BMI writer with many film score credits on national TV, including Big Bang Theory and Madam Secretary, as well as on shows on the Travel Channel and Hallmark Channel. His music is featured in several Florida feature films, including the award-winning PBS documentary The Great Florida Cattle Drive, the recent PBS film Southwest Florida's Mangrove Coast, and the upcoming story of Peter Gerbert, Florida nature artist. J. Robert has performed music extensively throughout the United States and in Switzerland and England, and even represented the U.S. State Department at the World Nomad Games in Kyrgyzstan in 2018. He's appeared on folk stages around Florida as a fiddle player with the likes of John McEwen, Chief Jim Billy, Rayford Stark, Peter B. Gallagher, Frank Thomas, and Dale Kreider. And he's warmed up many shows over the decades, including for the Charlie Daniels Band, Doug Kershaw, the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, and Bonnie Raitt. He lives on Marco Island and came our way via episode 256 guest John McEwen from the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. Good morning, Jay Robert. How are you? Hey, I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to have you. It's good to see you again. I, we met at uh, the John McEwen show at the Sydney and Byrne Davis Art Center. Oh, yeah. And uh, I love playing with John McEwen. Every time I've known him for what? Oh, must be 25, going, 25 years, 26 years, something like that. And uh, whenever I play with him, I go into another world. Mm. So I vaguely remember shaking your hand. You were halfway, I caught you halfway between the bar and the stage during the (laughs) mid break. (laughs) My favorite place to be. Yeah, Um, absolutely. But yeah, I I recognized your voice, Hmm. Mike Canary. Hmm. You know, you're famous. Uh, Yeah, uh, small pondy. (laughs) (laughs) Small pondy. So by the way, you know, when I was Googling Jay Robert, did you know that, um, you know, Robert Oppenheimer, the bomb guy, he's actually Jay Robert too. Yes, I know. I uh, try to stay away from stuff like that. My father, as a matter of fact, even though I was raised my first five years of life in Immokalee, my father later, uh, we moved to Tampa when I was six years old. And he continued his studies. He was a nuclear physicist. Really? Yeah. What a coincidence. He helped, he helped with the uh, Nautilus program and the uh, USS Savannah, all, all those reactor cores. And by the time he uh, finished his career, he was licensing nuclear reactors all over the world. Huh. So he— <laughs> 
I don't he, know whether it, did he know. name you J. Robert on purpose? Uh, no, you were born before then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's and just so, a cosmic coincidence. Yeah, and uh, it's something. Every time I, uh, you know, somebody looks me up, looking up J. Robert, they run into Oppenheimer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the whole movie so, thing's coming out, so he's about to be all. So over I'm jrobertmusic.com. J. Music, Robert music, music. So uh, five years or so in Immokalee, then up to Tampa. How would you characterize the musical background of your childhood? Like what was happening around you uh that's an interesting question what was happening around me was we were you know he would at that time he was a a farmer and uh, you wouldn't hear music all day you know and they didn't have radios and trucks so i heard the music uh that they would play on a little 45s or 33 and a third uh record player at home and i would Mom would put on, you know, some happy music, some Hank Williams or some Arthur Godfrey, Dizzy Little Busybody, <laughs> or Dennis Day and stuff like that. And Dad would slip on classical, you know, maybe some jazz a little bit earlier, but uh, I would go to sleep listening to classical music. Hmm. And uh, so the music I heard there, well, that was my background, uh, you know, and that's what I thought music was. We w- we saw the movie Fantasia, which was ten years old by the time I was conscious, and uh, that just blasted me out of my seat. Uh, I would sit in my back swing and sing and swing, and I'd make up my own backgrounds, you know, like uh, I think. You know, it's like na 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 if it's dangerous. Yeah. But yeah. usually, I just sit back there. I, ooh, ooh, you know, just <laughs> yodely. I didn't know anything about yodeling at the time, but I was singing uh, Mendelssohn. Da 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 da. You know, Mozart and stuff like that, and some jazz. You know, just so. Well, you, you asked me about the music I no, heard. No, that's it. It that's was it was at night and. Um, I'd make up my music for the rest of the day. <laughs> so uh, you're fourth generation. Yes. So you're the son of a son of a farmer. <laughs> son of a son of a Florida farmer. And you know what made me realize, or maybe uh, Google, is, you know, Jimmy Buffett was born in Mississippi. Yes. That guy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He, well, he's still a conk head. Everybody loves him. Yeah. And, yeah. How often do you come across somebody who goes back as far as you do family-wise? Very I mean, rarely. I, 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 I'm, I feel like I've been here forever, and I, I'm not from here. I moved here when I was a kid. Very rarely. Uh, I did run, move away as as a kid, like I say, when Dad uh, finished University of Tampa and we moved to University of Oklahoma to finish up some things and then uh, immediately got a job with the Atomic Energy Commission out in Idaho Falls, Idaho, the National Reactor Testing Stations. And so that's, by then, it was 1959. How do we start this question? <laughs> uh, no, well, is is Idaho but, where you primarily me, feel like you grew up? Like, how old were you mm-hmm. when you got there? I know you went to high school yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. The the uh, going back to Tampa. Uh, uh, you know, when we moved from Mockley to Tampa, all of a sudden there was music everywhere. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, the music that we had back then wasn't, again, on the radio that much. It was on television. Tampa had two stations, TV stations. And so we were influenced by the early te- television 
you know, run, da, 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 run, run, da, da, you know, uh, uh, but there was, there were all these cowboy shows and, and, and uh, Broderick Crawford's Highway Patrol, that was my grandmother's Early favorite. Superman. Yeah, <laughs> early Superman. And uh, Howdy Doody and all this. And, and uh, so I started tuning into pop media at, in Tampa. So that was in the 1956 through fifty. What would be Nine. the first musician or band or something that you got a hold of that wasn't the stuff your folks were right. giving you? Yeah. Um, I really didn't tune in until we moved away. I was probably nine years old, and we moved to Tulsa, and I got my first Aurora put-together-of-yourself radio. Ah. <laughs> yeah, my dad, being an engineer, he was all, you know, he'd give me that gifts, makes sense. gifts like that. Yeah, and, here's a radio if you can <laughs> assemble it, son. <laughs> right. And I'd listen to later, you know, I'd go to sleep listening to KOMA. You know, I'd s- sneak it into the into my bunk bed and KOMA in Oklahoma City and they had all the everything from listen to the rhythm of the falling rain to uh, um, Gary Lewis and Playboys that was um, my the probably the first time I started listening to early rock and roll and it was there and you know listening late at night it was it was a lot of fun. Hmm. Uh, uh, musical instruments being played around you? You've obviously gone on to play a lot of musical instruments. Was that something that was homegrown, or uh, did you find that on your own? Uh, well, my uh, aunt used to play the piano at grandmother's house, and grandmother would join along, and she she played piano in church. So that's the, that angle, and uh, that was early. And my grandfather used to play harmonica. Huh. Now, I've written songs about him uh, and my grandmother and I've kind of it's kind of a a collage of my grand and my great grandfather because he really was a musician and his wife played piano. So can you imagine back then? I've got an old clock that uh, was passed down to me. That was the only clock my my people had. You know, it was when the clock. The clock. Yeah. <laughs> when would they go get up in the morning, it chimes and, and go off to work and all day long. Granddad did have a pocket watch, too. But um, the music, that's the music that we had mainly on, you know, on Sabbath or... <laughs> so uh, I really didn't tune into real mass music till we moved to Oklahoma. And by then, you know, KOMA was the rock and roll station. And so I was nine and ten years old. And fruity, tutti fruity, and there's just all that came (laughs) rolling into my head. But uh, I was never selective either. You know, I Mm -hmm. just liked what I heard. And it was kind of random. I'm still random. Um, I'll switch radio stations all the time between... Your station, which I've been listening to since for the last thirty-three years, since before it was WGCU, yeah, we were 30, FSP, yeah, the, the 30, <laughs> 33 years I've been listening, hearing you guys. And by the way, I got not to jump around, but <laughs> hey, do it, do it. Um, we hear you loud and clear down in Southwest Florida and Marco, even better than some places uh, in between uh, here and there, or like 
some spots out on the interstate. Yeah, yeah. There are some places where uh, you can't quite hear 90.1 and uh-huh. you can't hear 91.7. Yeah. But we get you loud and clear and we love Well, we that's love good you. to hear. We've got a whole tower basically just for Marco. Yeah. That whole area yeah. down there. I know. Um, fiddle, your first instrument? You play a lot of instruments these days. <laughs> it was. And I didn't. Or was it, it violin when you violin, first took it and uh, it turned into fiddle? <laughs> I was in junior high, and uh, I always it was my uncle Danny's fiddle I, violin, and uh, I got it out of the attic at grandmother's house, as, uh, and I was immediately in love with it because um, my uncle Danny was exactly ten years older than me. Oh wow! Which made him a, <laughs> you know. Um, I just loved him. Everything he did, he'd get the barbells, I'd get the barbells. He got a fiddle, so I got the fiddle. Only he had given up on it already by then. But I took it seriously <laughs> and joined, uh, started learning, I guess it was in junior high, somewhere through there. And uh, it came pretty fast, actually. Uh, but I would play, go to orchestra during the day and then hang out with the Beetle Boots and Peg, Rat Fink, T-shirt kind of guys, you know, <laughs> the guys who'd hang out. They they were somebody would have one of those Hudson cars, you know. It was just a another whole world, you know, Luai Luai, and that. <laughs> so I, um, I had a I had a lot of music. Uh, the violin was happening. Uh, I really liked classical music. You know, once again, I thought I was going to be a nuclear physicist too. Mm. I thought that was a pretty cool job. I was into uh, theoretical physics, physics, and that's that was my whole direction. So the violin and orchestra was just a side thing, right? And the guys in the parking lot that that was just fun, yeah. So, but I guess you know, Beatles hit. Oh man, they they, and I think I. I'm happy to have lived through all the phases of Beatles because, hmm. you know, when you think about all the other music circulating around Beatles, Birds, Stones, Dylan, you know, when Dylan came out, I went out and got traded my fishing pole. This was out in Idaho Falls, and uh, I never had very much luck fishing anyhow. So <laughs> this guy wanted for a Stella guitar. Oh. And... Uh, I I tell you, it was like bailing wire strings. You know, it was really hard. Yeah, but, yeah. But it toughened me up, and uh, I was learning Dylan songs. That, those are the first songs I learned. Uh, um, the folkies. Yeah. You know. I uh, bet I can and then, see it. And then, of course, I had to attack the Beatles songs, which. Uh, Wow. The word is straightforward. The the chord progressions on those, to this day, I'm still just absolutely intrigued with. Yeah. Um, Well, we'll get more into all of this in a little bit, but let's do this first song now. (laughs) Okay, where are we? First song. First song, Claire de Lune. Oh, right. Why don't you just play it and I'll think about it. Absolutely. This is J.R. Hotelling. No telling about a hotelling. This is J.R. Hotelling's first song today on Three Song Stories. It's Claire de Lune, composed by Claude Debussy back in 1890 or so. Thank you, Mike. (sighs) That song moves you. Oh, man. Clearly. You know, uh, it's it's the music I could never 
uh, emulate or even learn. It was beyond my comprehension. It was, uh, I mean, I, I actually learned <laughs> this song for a wedding once on the steel drum, no less. But uh, I didn't do it with that finesse, uh, you know. It was just a... Okay, what it is, is when I hear it, I hear not just that song, and I don't hear just... Uh, n no air conditioning back in the early 50s, especially in Immokalee. We would go, I would go to sleep by that. I wasn't bothered. I didn't even know, notice no air conditioning. Yeah, <laughs> Can you, you imagine you that? You didn't now? know what you were, yeah, you I didn't, didn't know what know. you're not missing. You know, right. You don't know. Where would we be without AC? <laughs> yeah. We wouldn't even be aware of it. But um, I'd go to sleep by this music, and I still put it on the background when I uh, need to think. You know, I just let it drift. And it's something uh, that's beyond... Studying, um, I just let it flow through me, hmm. and uh, it cl it cleanses me. <laughs> All this classical stuff, you know, jazz you can get busy with, you know, and rock and roll. I I love I love reggae when I'm just cruising, you know, or out on my boat or something. But um, your sound quality under these. Um, Headphones is really excellent, and it just melted me, and that's the way it is. Here we go. <laughs> um, can you paint a picture of what you're, what you can remember about like Immokalee at that time in the world? Like I'm trying to imagine what Immokalee was like, you know, 65 plus yeah, years ago. There were fewer paved roads. Uh, the only paved road was in and out. Everything else was shell, as as I remember it. I remember a trading post. I remember uh, down close to the hardware store, and uh, everything was under fans. And I remember the smell of uh, at the lumber yard of fresh cut lumber. You know, just the, because we were, he was building a, new, a home there. I can remember the smell of uh, lubricants over at the, the the gas station. It wasn't. Um, it was the old fashioned. Uh, they'd pull up. They pull the vehicle up on a ramp, and then they crawl down into a hole to work on it, uh, which is classic anyhow. But, you know, in Immokalee, it was like uh, historically antique, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember those days, you know, the days of DDT, you know, you, you, you'd hop in the— uh, Go down to the packing house and pick out a few good men. And Granddad knew them, knew all the best workers back then too. You know, people were running away from stuff, not just running away from the law, but sometimes running away from uh, the other side of the law, <laughs> to say the least. And uh, but he knew who was good, and and we'd load up some ice and go out in the fields and come back and orange fields, and citrus. Uh, no. Uh, uh, Granddad didn't get to, into citrus until Donna hit and blew away his his uh, his crops, um, but and then he was heavy into citrus. Uh, we own Dooley Groves uh, citrus in um, Hillsborough County mm -hmm. in Ruskin, but uh, yeah, he was initially a tomato farmer out of, of Ruskin. He was backed by uh, J. C. Valenti out of Tampa, a guy named Blue Eyes, and. Uh, made a big corporate effort to open up the glades. He was in the middle of it, hmm. of, of, of 
developing. <laughs> of course, you know, he was just trying to make a living. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. talent, talented, very talented uh, agriculturalist. You know, it's interesting when I ask you to remember Immokalee, you know, we've had people on the show talk about how besides music, smell is the thing yeah. that, that does that same thing. Yeah, you can almost song. do a three smells thing because <laughs> there are certain smells that will bring back a memory in the same way that hearing a song will do. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, I think when I was just listening to it right then, I was bringing it forward into my – I'm in sure. my 70s now – and all the things that have happened over the years. Um, so the music, yeah, transcended me into that headspace. Um, thanks. Hmm. As a note, I'm wondering when you guys are going to start your first uh, three song stories parlor game. Oh, we've talked about it. Oh, man, it would be great. You know, I, I've, I've already structured how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we should talk. Maybe you could be our distributor be collaborator. I think people would love to play this game at home. You know, Jim Griffith from the Sydney and Byrne Davis Arts Center, he's uh -huh. the director there, and okay. uh, he's a violist professionally. Oh, wow. And uh, he actually told me, he sent me a message a while back, said they were having a, a party, and they went around and played three song stories. <laughs> they took turns telling stories right. about songs. Exactly. Well, uh, you have, I've listened to them, you know, quite a bit, and... You've got some trick questions up your sleeves. I do. Yeah, that really <laughs> work, really sting, or you know. Uh, but uh, hmm. I think to work those in, yeah, you're, you'd have to reveal all your secrets. So um, you said before the first song that you thought you might grow up to be a, a nuclear scientist, mm -hmm. and then that didn't work out. Uh, <laughs> what did you um, in high school? Was that no. what was in your brain, or yep. you know, or was music taking over? Or you know, what happened? Yeah. What did you? What did you study in college? I guess is the question. Yeah, I think I got my mind blown in senior world history. In oh high yeah, school. Uh, uh, Mrs. Newber. She, I swear, she she was antique when we went in there, but she was the most strict history, senior world history. She, when we covered everything, and it was like a college, uh, it was like a Harvard class, you know. And she, um, we, I realized that there's a whole big world out there, you know. And I, I love to this day, I, I, I love theory. Uh, but the way it integrates with history, you know, the way science is developed and projected into the future. And here we are. We're smack dab in the middle of it. We yeah. are his history. Yeah. Um, and I guess history sometime when I got – well, when I uh, went away to the university with scholarship. That was also I, in Idaho. Yes, uh, University of Idaho in Moscow, Idaho, and it's in the news nowadays. Well, I got up there and got totally distracted. <laughs> the uh, Beatles, uh, Sergeant Peppers was just out, um, and I'd been following them ever since Rubber Soul, you know, and it was just blew my mind. And one of the uh, students in the building had a sitar. Wow. I, I had put away violin years before. Still and, playing the guitar though. Uh, yeah, strumming that guitar and Bob Dylan songs. And uh, but uh, the Beatles came out with that, and uh, I discovered back then they weren't hippies; they were beatniks. Yeah. They were beatniks, 
And uh, yeah, oh yeah, but we they, these beatniks, you know, they'd have the jazz thing, and I fell right into that. You know, my I had ears, but I didn't have an instrument. But you know, I was totally there. But then uh, I discovered that they'd have these uh, beer parties, uh, keggers. <laughs> off campus, and I just no more nuclear scientists. <laughs> no more. Uh-uh. I was blown away by the the bluegrass and the uh, jug band music. It was jug band music that time, and we all hopped in uh, uh, Tommy's uh, friend of mine had a old forty one Chevy, and it was uh, we were just on the precursor of hippies because he got out there it was an old rusted chevy and he painted a big flowers on it and and signs uh, don't laugh mama your daughter's in here <laughs> stuff on this <laughs> and we took off across country to spokane to watch the nitty-gritty dirt band oh. yeah this was back in 1967 little did you know wow <laughs> i know but i was totally blown away by them so, uh, and that came full circle later, too. Uh, talk about full circle. Yeah. Uh, but No pun intended. <laughs> so that's what happened to my nuclear program. Uh, and I uh, got deeper and deeper into, I picked up the fiddle and joined, joined right in with the, the guys and, and gals. And uh, was really intrigued with it. I... Uh, Met a couple local people who played fiddle. The Idaho uh, Fiddlers Association deliberately, that to this day, as a matter of fact, I watched it on um, live on my iPad. Uh, they have the National Grand Grand Champion Fiddle Contest in Weezer, Idaho, and uh, I thought I'd picked up the fiddle and I went around to local farmers who played fiddle. And I was just totally blown away by the by this music that was uh, older than me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah I was talking about a hundred years, and uh, um, I would go to dances in in uh, VFW halls and and uh, agricultural mm-hmm. centers and. Uh, the dance would be like a split pea and lentil festival. And we'd be out on the Palouse Hills, and uh, people would come for miles around for it. There were no micro- only one microphone on stage, and all these fiddlers and bass players and guitar players. And the women would bring uh, all, they would have a contest for recipes on how to prepare split peas or lentils, lentil jello, split pea uh, meat, lo- I mean, split pea loaf, you know, and all these things. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just there. I thought I was going to be a music ethnomusicologist. Oh yeah, figure that out. Huh. Ethnomusicologist studying. Uh, I, I would go hang around the library looking up books. So you know, it wasn't just Bob Dylan, but I realized Bob Dylan was writing lyrics to old songs, and uh, which I mm-hmm. thought was pretty clever. And as a matter of fact, that's about the time I started writing is when I picked up that guitar back in uh, high school, uh, last year of high school. Uh, what was your first song? Do you remember? Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you and your trick questions. <laughs> I've probably got it around somewhere. It was... Uh, 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 
because I have a whole a whole bunch of songs. I, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't. Uh, my first song, I would have to go study that. Yeah, because well, I've okay. got them sitting around. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I've been digging through a bunch of songs lately. Anyhow, you know, I've got a whole, I've got about three hundred songs that haven't been published yet to wow. start with. So I've got that drawer, but I've got a, a, two other drawers of ideas and stuff that I wrote way back then. Um, and it was a funky thing. It was it on the guitar? Yeah. Was it in the style of yeah. folky? Was oh, it? Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Because um, I could handle that. <laughs> um, were you playing? You know, you said you were playing the fiddle. You were going to these VFW halls, things like that. Were you just kind of sidling up to other acts and moments, or were you, did you ever have a band that you were in a band before you? Because then you you headed out west at some point. Mm-hmm. But yeah. b- before then, were you in a band or were you just no, just no. A, a player around other players? I was so blown away by the guys so back in high school. They were called the Mystics in Idaho Falls High School. And they were playing uh, Poison Ivy, all those, uh, and Beach Boys. Hmm. Uh-huh. High school they, band they playing were, Beach Boys. That's, that a, was, that's they, a odd, you know. Reaching for the stars. So, yeah, I would go back to my university uh, dorm room that first year after hanging around with the old-time fiddle. It's amazing how much can happen in a year when when you give up your studies. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I can relate to that, too. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I I was kind of going in all different directions at once because my roommate happened to be a, a bass player who was also a radio DJ from Casper, Wyoming, Mike King. And uh, he had that voice. But uh, he was encouraging me. And one of the kids in the – you know, he says – he was encouraging me to get a new guitar because <laughs> that old Stella was just – Oh, you were not, still playing the old right. Stella at that point. And uh, so one of the kids uh, wanted to run away and do a uh, campaign – you know, hit the road. It's, he needed to sell his guitar and get out of town. Um, and uh, it was for a McGovern campaign. You oh, know, wow. back then, yeah, yeah, back, yeah. The, the good old days. And uh, he was selling. He's, he came up to me and says, I need 50 bucks. I said, 50 bucks? Yeah, here's this 12-string, Rickenbacker 12-string, brand new. I need to get out of town. And uh, Mike... <laughs> Kicked me in the side with his elbow, and and I said, "Yeah, f- yeah, here's fifty bucks. Yeah, do you know? anything you can." <laughs> yeah, because we were we were hanging around in the um, uh, the dorm room listening to Cream, listening to you know the the Beatles were still happy, you know all this stuff. Um, Led Zeppelin was coming on soon after this, and this is the same time I'm going around listening to folk folk musicians, and I really wasn't that much into fiddle. I uh, but I had my eye on a Martin guitar, mm-hmm. so I drove. I took that twelve-string Rickenbacker and drove to Spokane again, and uh, came home with my first uh, D twenty-eight, D thirty-five. So you were able me. to leverage that up yes, into exactly. the guitar you really wanted. Exactly. Huh? You and, still have that guitar? And uh, yes. Huh. You and still play it? Yeah, it's it's on the wall with all my others. I just take one one down at a time. They they're incomparable. You know, I always say, "Well, this is my favorite guitar." No, this is my favorite guitar for the moment. Yeah. Yeah, it's all in the moment. Depends on what you're playing. So, do you finish college? 
No. Okay, I was picking <laughs> up on that. So what 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 made you decide to head out west? Okay, well, I was there there at the University of Idaho. I was out west, and uh, I guess it was those summers. I got a job with uh, the U.S. Forest Service, and they put me through training and and offered me a job to be a lookout. And all my dreams came true then because I I I went up, up there in the tower right with nothing but a guitar and a fiddle. <laughs> All I could do that job. Yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> and, and I'd get out. All, um, by then, it was cassettes, and I could uh, load up all sorts of music. And uh, I was mainly there learning and studying and writing. And to this day, yeah, some of those songs I'm, uh, I was brushing through, and I, well, like I do film score occasionally for PBS. Yeah, I've picked I've, up on that. Yeah, yeah, I've done a few, uh, uh, and. I dragged one out of the closet from, you know, 40 years ago. And uh, it was developed into uh, great cattle drive, greatfloridacattledrive.com. Hmm. It turned out to be a really cool song. It became the background music for the whole thing, um, for the whole movie. Hmm. How long before you came back to Florida? <laughs> Let's see. I came back 30 Four years ago. Thirty-four years yeah, ago. Yeah, I came. I came back to work on the farm and introduced my children to my my parents so that they they would know their family. And uh, there wasn't a lot of work there on the citrus grove. A lot of lot of work, but no money. <laughs> this is the so, the farm right, the, the, right. the farm in Ruskin. And I got a call to. Uh, I had been playing around the Bay Area. I played with a guy named Leon Poindexter who wrote some songs for Almond Brothers and San Francisco uh, Bay Area. Uh, no, uh, Tampa Bay. Okay, that's yeah. what I thought. I was like, yeah. okay. I, did. I don't think of Tampa Bay as the Bay Area. <laughs> Boy, I tell you what, my, I know my history sounds a little con- convoluted, but I did have a chance to run down to San Francisco and L.A. I was invited by a songwriter named Kurt Betcher. Well, that's what I was alluding to when I said out west, because I dug oh, deep and I found right. some L.A. connections. Yeah, so. it was pretty cool. It was uh, <laughs> Kurt Betcher was part of that uh, wall of sound that Phil had uh, promoted, but but Kurt uh, produced things like uh, Up, Up, and Away, and Your Beautiful Balloon, and mm. Some Mamas and Papas, and, and helped with the Beach Boys, the later Beach Boys stuff. And uh, he just come up with a, an album. I remember going uh, to his uh, album release party, uh, I know the Rolling Stones gave him a bad review, but the, at that party that night, uh, there was, well, I, I always supersede things, don't I? <laughs> uh, I, I had no idea. I was just new in town. I was, uh, it came down from the mountain. I was living. Came down from the tower looking for I'm, fires. I'm telling you, yeah, <laughs> fires. There's a fire. I was pretty accurate at that, by the way. You get on an azimuth table and shoot over there and and I did that for several years and uh, I would go back up there and practice my fiddle and guitar and write some more songs but Kurt uh, was having a party that night celebrating his productions he was in the Wally Wally Hyder studios in LA and stuff and he'd take me in there and I was just a a Google at everything going on you know and when he had his album party all they were all there. The Eagles, Cat Stevens, you know, with their wives, 
and the whole his whole house was packed with all these amazing people. Were you just trying to hide in the corner, or did you actually <laughs> go around and talk to people? <laughs> oh boy, I tell you what, no, I was uh, I didn't even know who I was talking to. Right. Yeah, I didn't recognize anyone, and uh, so I was just having a good time. I think I got blasted too far out of my head to really perceive, but uh, it was fun. Huh? <laughs> no, I did. Um, I remember. I would go to all the the Monday night songwriter shows at the various places, um, the Troubadour, mm. the, and I remember especially the Ice House. I remember especially the Troubadour um, getting there in mid afternoon. I thought that would be plenty of time, and the line of musicians was clear around the corner. And they only take the first three. I don't know why everybody was was hanging around. They were hoping somebody hoping would everybody in front of them falls down. Fall dead, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I, uh, I said, "Well, heck with this." So I came back the next week, and I thought, you know, I'll just uh, get up early in the morning, eight o'clock, which is pretty bad for musicians. And got there, and there were still ten people there, and the same guy was up in the front. So the next time, I was, uh, I just parked my camper right there, set the clock for three o'clock in the morning I thought I'm going to go sleep out on the sidewalk and sure enough I got to be number two uh, right next to this guy uh, who's been the same number one the whole time and um, who was it okay <laughs> <laughs> do you remember who it was well I'll tell you what I'll give you a hint you know, he said well packed her up I'm behind the wheel with my arms around my baby in my automobile. Tom Waits. Looking for the heart of Saturday night. He Tom was waking Waits. up that early? Oh, yeah. I said, how the <laughs> hell do you get here? He says, well, I work in this donut shop. <laughs> donut shop back on Van Nuys. And I take the 2.30 bus. And they drop me off here and wow. see you in the morning. So uh, we, I got to hang out all day long with Tom Waits. We sh- exchanged songs, and he told huh. me how he was. He had to do this, you know. The guys that uh, his, his uh, producer says, you know, you just go out, write us another song this week, and get in there and play it, and see how it goes over. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I was very impressed with all the people. Uh, met there. I was hanging around Steve Eaton, and he was from Idaho. So, and he 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 was hanging with some great songwriters and musicians. And I was just a little kid in Wonderland. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I recorded one of these yesterday with a guy who's from Idaho. Mm-hmm. We got we got two Idahos back to back. <laughs> Far out. Um, we'll get to some Florida stuff, but let's do your second song now. Oh boy, I tell you what. Uh, and speaking of L.A., Jackson Brown, um, I just loved his uh, his lead guitar player, David Lindley. And I just happened to be um, following YouTube the other day, following a little thread and listening to old Jackson Brown stuff. And there was David Lindley. So I followed that thread. And boy, it brought back a lot of memories of... Uh, of once again, it was Boise, Idaho. I've joined a band that uh, it was a hard country band, hard, hot country back for back then. And to this day, 
they have a unique sound out there. You can go to uh, you can go to N- Nashville, and they've got their sound. You know, that's broadcast all the time. You can go to Austin, but you go to Boise, Idaho, and uh, it's it's locked in somewhere between uh, Bob Wills, <laughs> uh, but it's like a contemporary Bob Wills. These guys, it's hard, it's uh, real swinging country music, uh, and uh, have a lot of rock influence. Basically, that's that's what gives it, and. Uh, yeah, all my friends there. We used to uh, rock out on this stuff, and this is uh, David Lindley, Mercury Blues. Uh, and by the way, he was also my touchstone to really appreciate reggae because I I mm. love the sound, but I didn't really comprehend where it came from. Now I play it all the time for the last thirty years. Uh, I, even last night, of my fellow Frank Carroll, who's the reggae ambassador. <laughs> He and I did a little gig last night, and he's hard, you know he knew Bob Bob Marley. He the uh, has a lot of history there. Wow! But um, yeah, David Lindley, he was a touchstone in many ways. Maybe we can take a listen at him. Why Mercury Blues? Uh, the intensity. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. and this was a long. It, it's an old blues song that comes before Jackson. Alan Jackson got hold of it, hmm. which is. Cool. Uh, Alan Jackson moved to, he was living on Marco for a while. Really? Yeah. I always wonder who out there is possibly listening to us that are people like that. Because <laughs> you never know. You know, Mike, I keep forgetting we're on the radio. People are listening. Yeah. I'm sitting here sweating my, <laughs> sweating bullets. Um, yeah, let's hear some Mercury Blues. We're going to rip it up. All right. That is Merc- this is Mercury Blues by David Lindley. It's from his 1981 album, El Rayo X. El Rayo X. Thanks for saying it right. It's uh, John Robert Hotelling's second song on Three Song Stor- Stories today. This is Biography Through Music. Yeah, that is hot. Blah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just sitting here listening... To it reminds me of the intro we did for a song of mine called Cowboy Cadillac Band. Our uh, uh, our band, Pendo Bennett and the famous Motel Cowboys, otherwise known as the Tarwater Guys out of Boise, Idaho. Uh, we had a, a, a couple of hits back in the, oh, it was uh, the 70s, 76, 75. And... Um, the band still goes. We still have reunions. I'll fly out to Boise every. I go out every two years. I can't afford it every year, but or the time to do it. But uh, some a couple of times we met in Nashville and recorded some songs. Cool. And that intro there, I I totally forgot. Yeah, that's where I got it. <laughs> he probably stole it from somebody else. Oh yeah. <laughs> Girl I love, stole her from a friend. My friend got lucky and he stole her back again. You know who it reminded me of? Have you ever heard of the Refreshments? Mm. Uh, South Texas band, mm-hmm. put out about three albums before they broke right. up. Fizzy Fuzzy, Biz and Big and Buzzy was their album that I've listened to a million times. Uh, Texas, it had that same kind of Texas style energy yeah. to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. right. Hmm. Well, yeah, that's we got derived a lot of in, uh, inspiration from that Texas style, This this band. Hmm. Tar water, yeah. Um, these so you're back in Florida thirty years, thirty five years ago. <laughs> yeah. How did you end up down here in Southwest Florida? 
Um, I got a call. Well, I, I was working around the Bay Area on the weekends. Uh, uh, I was always in admiring the uh, folk scene there, but um, I got involved with Leon Poindexter's band and a couple other bluegrass bands, and uh, on the side, uh, an agent uh, picked me up for some odd jobs, and he called me up and said, hey, you want to go down to Marco Island and play at the Marriott? And I had no idea. Do you even I, know what, what a Marco Island was? Well, I'll tell you what. There was a billboard, right? I, I was living in Ruskin, south of Ruskin. Uh, That's where all the meteorologists live. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they are right across the river. <laughs> okay. And guess what? Our numbers do not match their numbers. <laughs> no kidding. My, my brothers always, well, they got it wrong again. You know, But, uh, yeah. Um, and that's where we are is right across the, from the – and there's a – we're off – right off 41. Now, this is 41 before I-75 went through. Yeah. And uh, there's a big billboard right there at uh, Old Sun City. It says Marriott, Marco Island Marriott, only uh, 150 miles or something. Something like that, yeah. yeah. And I, that's all I knew about the Marriott. I had no idea. And he says, yeah, I know. You've been working on some Jimmy Buffett songs. Why don't you go down there and, and I'm signing you up for a week. I mean, excuse me, the weekend. And I got down here and they were very friendly. The guy shows me the food and beverage, showed me around the hotel, showed me the inner workings where the, where they do all their production and, of course, the room. And and uh, we had so much fun that weekend. He He says, Nobody sings the Jimmy Buffett songs. He was uh, he was German. <laughs> I was trying to figure uh, out what kind of accent nobody, you were emulating. <laughs> no, nobody sings Jimmy Buffett, and here we are in Southwest Florida. And I, I said, well, thank you very much. How would you like to spend the rest of the summer here? We'll give you a room, and you can have the pool, and you can eat with our workers. And I... Let's see. It's either go back and change tractor grease and <laughs> chase around the orange groves. Or, or stay on this island yeah, in this hotel for forever. free and get paid and, and fed. And those were the days. <laughs> i tell you what. I had the best of all worlds because back then uh, the the road into Marco was just two lane with mm-hmm. no shoulder. Uh, so you better not get stuck out there. And uh, there wasn't that much traffic coming and going. And – uh, I would play. I played that summer, and I, uh, Dennis from the Snook, happened to be there one night. Hey, how would you like to play the Snook this season? And Stan from Stan's Stan Gober, you know, uh, and he invited me out to Stan's. So I was Stan's band. <laughs> it was just me and Stan up there for a summer or two. Wow. Or, excuse me, a winter or two. A couple seasons. So you've been on Marco ever since. Yeah. Wow. I just couldn't couldn't shake me loose. It's what been was, really good. You know, Marco. I, I've to be honest. I've only been on Marco Island once in my entire oh, life. Okay. And I mean, a lot of changes. Yeah. I mean, now I you know when I went maybe three years ago, you know, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of tall buildings uh-huh. in a very small area. Was it like that at all back then, or no? Was that... uh, uh, now we have a few open lots. Uh, you know, for, for homes. Mm-hmm. Back then, there were a few open lots for condominiums and buildings. So, but they've all 
you know, been, I think the last one was, I can't remember. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Yeah, you'll edit it. <laughs> no, yeah, that, that won't be in the thing. Um, how'd you meet John McEwen? Uh, through Chief Jim Billy. I, uh, How'd you meet Chief, Chief uh, Jim Billy? Okay, we'll go way back. I know I'll tell you what. So there I was actually the first summer uh, at, uh, at the Marriott and Quinn's, Quinn's on the beach. And uh, first thing my wife did, because we were living on the farm, she, she took me down and bought me a bunch of new clothes for the gig. And back then it was like... Uh, Miami Vice clothes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She'd give me a little jacket. She'd have a white pink shirt, white. gray pants, you know, all those yeah, Miami, yeah, yeah. Miami Vice colors. And uh, one night, uh, what they do, oh, okay, I'll back up. What they do is uh, every year they have corporate events. And uh, for instance, the uh, Florida hardware dealers, the conference, has been there ever since I've been playing. They got they've hooked into me and still I'm still playing. Every year they come around, <laughs> they're my buddies. Yeah. And we have a we have a ball. Well, they have the Florida Cattlemen's Convention. Okay. And of part of that, of course, Seminole are some of the biggest cattle uh producers in the United States. And so and so James was well, I call him James, Jim Billy, Chief Jim Billy. I had no idea who he was at the time because I'm up there playing songs, and from the back of the room, the Seminole women were going, Jim, get Jim up there, James, come on. And I'm wondering, who the heck is James? But I always had an open door policy. I'll give some, I'll hand somebody my guitar for one song, and I'll play fiddle so I'm still in control, you know. I can yeah, control yeah, the yeah. Knobs. And, uh, Jim Billy got up there and did his song about the the great snake that uh, created the Kashimi River. Mm. This is what the Seminoles say, and uh, he would tell the story and the, the songs, and I was just blown away. The imagery, his every word was just uh, fantasy, and. Uh, so we went to uh, – he finished my night. We, I just was backing him up. Here, you play a good fiddle there, son. You know, James. Um, How old was he at that point? Oh, uh, boy. Roughly. 30. Uh, we, yeah, Relatively 30, young. He yeah, was yeah. 35, 38 yeah. because I was a little younger than him. And uh, so he invited me to uh, play with him. Over, you know, at a couple of chickies. He would actually fly into Marco Airport with a little stump jumper, Piper Cub. And I'd hop in and we'd fly out and we'd land in some field right next to some chickies in the middle of nowhere. And he'd, we'd get out with just the fiddle and guitar and go over and sit under the chickie and sing songs. He would sing. Just fly there to sit yeah. out there and sing. Yeah, he would, uh, wow. he would entertain the children with. Uh, Counting songs with the ABC songs, Seminole yeah. style, <laughs> and uh, I would just saw along. It was it was a lot of fun. And uh, an- another time, he'd call me up and say, "Meet me at the airport. Only bring your friend Chainsaw on drums and and Alex on bass." I said, "James, there was just enough room for you and me up there. You know, we're <laughs> once in a while he'd hand me the he'd, the." 
the steering the wheel, steering the yoke. Wheel, yeah. <laughs> and we, we were having fun, but I said, there's no room for all these guys. He says, don't worry about it. He landed the Marco Airport in a hawker jet, an English hawker jet. Wow. And a big black thing. And we'd fly up to uh, Gainesville. We did this a couple times, or uh, Tallahassee, and we'd do a whole show. I remember this was Gainesville the first time, and because uh, and be back in what four or five hours. Usually, I do a four hours show by myself, but th- we did a whole lickety split wow. from the airport there. Did the gig, came back. So a couple years later, he asked me to. Uh, come over to the uh, Seminole. I call it the Seminole Air Patrol. <laughs> there, uh, the little airport out there in the middle of nowhere. You have to shoo gators off the runway. To, uh, literally. Literally. Yeah. She says, meet me at noon. And I got over there and Rayford Stark and myself. And and uh, it was a whole new band. We flew clear across the United States. And, oh, yeah, I get over there and it's a, uh, it's a Gulfstream Two, which is flies faster, flies higher. You know, it's right up there with Coca Cola and yeah, and uh, Bell tel- Bell Telephone and stuff. So we f- flew clear across the United States to uh, Arizona, picked up John McEwen again, and uh, flew back to New Mexico, and drove way up into the mountains and there was this big valley in the mountains so there were still mountains beyond but it was a gathering of the nations the, the American native nations and uh, James started singing a song this was, this was the same time the woman uh, just before us was Buffy, Buffy St. Marie and it was so nice meeting her because you know I'd been following her ever since the uh, Earth, early ethnomusicologist days. Yeah. <laughs> and I even uh, had learned a couple of her songs. And so, uh, at any rate, when J- James came on, they had this timed and I had no idea, but when James came on, we get out there and we start doing Seminole, uh, the, the Old Ways Will Survive song. And that jet, that Gulfstream 2, comes roaring over us. I mean, you could... You could throw a baseball at it and hit a window. Huh. I'm not kidding. And the sound and the power and Indian power, you know, the whole place just erupted. The whole valley shook. And um, that was a show. That brings tears to your eyes, too. I bet. You know, just the power of the moment. He was, uh, he's a brilliant leader. Uh, I know he's very controversial and, uh, you know, a lot of, we all had, need time for learning our skills, but he I, he did a lot of great things for those people and for the uh, other Native American nations up and down our continent. And you've stayed with, in touch with John McEwen, clearly, at least to some degree, because you played with him at <laughs> yes. the Sydney and Burn back sure. you know, earlier this he year. He calls me uh, any time he gets down to Florida. I don't I don't travel anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've got a good life. Right here, so, and I'm very happy with it. But uh, I love playing with John, hmm. and uh, he's always changing uh, players. He has the original Les, 
is the original bass player, and he just calls the circle band yeah. and step into the circle. And uh, it's very exciting. For instance, that fellow uh, on the other end of the stage, <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I swear, every time it's somebody else, and uh, I'm sure they feel the same way about me. And we just have a great jam. We went, uh, we finished this uh, summer going with the Florida Folk Festival. I've been attending that for many years, thanks to uh, Jim Billy and John McEwen, mm-hmm. and I meet the greatest uh, artists you'd ever, you'd ever be. Hmm. To um, before we get to your third song, do you know Dick Spotswood? Yes, I figure you said ethnomusicologist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's kind a of collector. Our, he's and he's done his uh, his radio show about you know old old time black bluegrass music That's and, right. and you know early rock uh, you know country rock and he's stuff like very that. Very knowledgeable. He's, we had him on the show. We went to his house uh-huh. and sat down in All his records. living room years ago. I've got some records I should share with him. He's a he's a character. <laughs> <laughs> I figured you guys would come across each other because he's in Naples, so that's yeah. right, you know, near yeah, that's you. That's right. Hmm. Well, I'd like to bump into him again. I should call him up. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to uh, delve into his collections. And I do have a couple records which I think you'd be intrigued with. Hmm. Okay, well, let's do his third song, which is. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, I remember. It's Will the Circle Be Unbroken. <laughs> okay, there we go. Nice lead It's in. the Nitty Gritty Dirt <laughs> Band. Right. You know, the wonderful thing about that album is that it brought together the generations. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, my mom was, uh, she loved hillbilly music. She loved country music. She loved pop music. And uh, so when this came out, I was happy to share it with her. And she loved all this you know, some of the songs she didn't know, but she knew most of them. And the artists, the the artists that were there uh, on the album, were people that she could identify with. And uh, it's it's a good bridge. It's a good crossover. And to this day, whenever we sing, when I hear this song, I think of all the times I've been on stage with John. Mm-hmm. And I think of all the times. Um, it's a family song. It's a, and um, it's a roots song. Uh, like I said, we started to discuss earlier the going to school. The public education system back then had all the old heritage songs. Uh, get out of the way for old Dan Tucker. He's too late to get his supper. They sang. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain. They, they, we, we sang all of those songs. And uh, as a matter of fact, I've almost come full circle. A lot, a lot of my shows nowadays are either bringing some of those heritage songs back to life or singing about them and, and throwing them all into one song. Old-time songs should never be forgotten. Hmm. And... Uh, so that's what this song represents to me. And the old, uh, it's a full circle be- between old time and new time and going back. 
Could you, when you were listening to it, when you were, you know, when 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 it came out with your mom, could you have imagined that someday you'd be <laughs> standing on the the you know in New Mexico with John McEwen <laughs> and, and, and you know Jim Jim James Never. Billy? Yeah. Can you you know that would yeah, that would have yeah. probably blown your mind. It would have blown my mind if I'd known it. <laughs> no, she, uh, yeah, she's she just loved music. You know, she wasn't overly impressed by big names or anything. She just loved good music. She loved Dolly Parton, and uh, I didn't. I I could go practice my fiddle around her. I could mm. sing her a song, and uh, she'd tell me what she liked about it or how it should be mm. edited. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't love Dolly Parton? Yeah. Okay. She's still doing great stuff for the yeah, world. Yeah, she's brilliant. Let's listen to this song together. All right. This All is together now. J.R. Hotelling's third and final song on this week's episode of Three Song Stories. This is Will the Circle Be Unbroken by the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band from their 1972 album of the same name. Can you imagine being in that room? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, that room has brought... <laughs> Brought a lot together over the years. Uh, I met Vassar Clements, yeah. you know, in and out of those days. Uh, it's so many musicians have gone through my life. When I'm when I've accepted this uh, radio interview, it, I realize how many. You know, we opened up for Charlie Daniels and got to hang out with him in the dressing rooms and Bonnie Raitt and. Uh, Doug Kershaw, all these good old times, and uh, that's what that song re- represents to me is uh, just memories mm. of good music. You know, you were talking about your uh, some of your older microphones, mm-hmm. and that's what I was imagining during that because we live in a world now where you're uh, you know mm-hmm. everything getting stitched together and isolated, this and that, and you know the sound of that is just like you're right there and <laughs> yeah. you know and they were just they they, they were they had no high tech uh-uh. they know? didn't have to think about it it was just like rolling off a log yeah. you know uh, uh it does help help to have these microphones to capture it you know we were talking about ethnomusicology the early days the recordings of Woody Guthrie the library of congress of of Big Bill Brunzi and and Muddy uh, Muddy Waters. Yeah, I was really thinking of Lead Belly. There oh, there you yeah. go. Yeah, I used to collect those. Uh, as a matter of fact, the radio station up in Moscow, Idaho, was throwing some of them out, <laughs> and my my buddy there, um, Mike, was you know he was working in the radio station mm-hmm. at the time. He says you can't throw those out, and uh, yeah. I I inherited a f- few of those, and that's once again that's what intrigued me with it. Um, good music, good times. Yeah. Um, and I've, like I say, I've been very blessed to have worked with musicians of many many styles. Uh, the Jimmy Buffett thing. When I got down here and got busy with the Marriott. Uh, I was living the life Jimmy Buffett sings about. Yeah, I, yeah, had, yeah, yeah. I have my Literally. own thirty-five foot trimaran. I, uh, I'm. It's for sale now. <laughs> I've had it for twenty-four years, but um, um, yeah, and I, I would play all the parties. I, I warmed up for Buffett a couple times at the corporate gigs at the uh, 
They were sponsored by Seagram's, stuff like that. Um, I play with guys who played with Bob Marley. I played with, uh, you know, so they are the real things, right? Right now, uh, Beach Boys would they they were there quite often. They'd check into the hotel and go set up on the beach. You know, they're the sound guys and everything. So I'd hang around that. Hmm. And uh, yeah, there's will the circle be unbroken? There's just so many so many ways we are connected, uh, musicians. And the big ears out there, you know, it's amazing how even through my experience, experiences, how little music I still <laughs> uh, know. Uh, and I like to drive down the road with my radio, and I I listen to contemporary country, and the influence hip hop has on that. Yeah, I yeah. love it. Hip hop, I call it. Hip hop. But I like, yeah, <laughs> I, I like love that. the sounds. Uh, the, uh, I like to do some hip hop on acoustic banjo. <laughs> yeah, you should. <laughs> yeah, it is fun. When I'm on my porch, I do. Hmm. But uh, will the circle be unbroken? Uh, how it brings together the rock and roll, the country, the bluegrass, the classical, the jazz. It all just blends. Um, what I was saying about that very first song, Debussy, or Vi- Mendelssohn's violin in concerto in E minor, you can't touch that. Hmm. And you can't, uh, the emotions, all you can do is enjoy. <laughs> you can't own everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a, you know, I'm going around learning all songs, all kinds of songs for my vocabulary. You know, with my new show, uh, we do once a month during season. This is the 10,000 yes. Songs of the 10,000 Islands? Exactly. 10,000 Songs of the 10,000 Islands. And it's uh, all Florida, all original. And uh, we, I feature people like uh, uh, Seminole Woman, um, Rita Youngman, uh, and I'll bring in some I got a list around here somewhere. <laughs> well, I was looking through the list. I recognized a few names. Uh, you got Roy Schneider in there. Yeah, you've those got, guys are You've got great. Caleb Neff in there. Thank you. You've got Sheena Brooke in there. Sheena was brilliant. As a matter of fact, I heard her yesterday. She was here. on Gulf Coast Live oh, yesterday, or Life yesterday I, with I John Davis. It. And she introduced. I wanted to do this. She introduced us to another artist, Sarah. Mm-hmm. That just blew my mind. How how. Excellent. Both women are, and how totally different. Absolutely, you know, and they're good friends. No, Gary Vincent, he's a prolific songwriter. I had, I've had him on the Ten Thousand Nile um, Song Show. John R. Butler, and his humor, <laughs> he he can uh, really drive an audience crazy. Marie Nofsinger has been a supporter all this time with uh, Captain Jack, Tim McGarry. So. On that note, I'd like to recommend a few people for your future shows. We'll get to that. We got to yeah. do the speed round first. The speed round. I can't remember. Where are we? <laughs> We're at the speed round. Okay, hit me. Um, do you have a nickname that stuck over the course of your life you'd be willing to share? <laughs> Little Dooley's Dooley Boy. Little Dooley's Dooley Boy, because you were Dooley Farms or are Dooley right, Farms. Right, exactly. Uh, Who's Dooley? The story uh, goes back to my <laughs> granddaddy, uh, Granddaddy Dooley. Uh, they, his once again, it, his first name was Julius. My uh, Julius 
Foster. Your Julia, namesake. Yes, Julius Foster. My dad was Julius Edson. I'm Julius Robert. Um, but their, their, his little sister couldn't pronounce Julius. He said, Dooley, Dooley. So he became Granddaddy Dooley over huh. the years. My, my dad was Dooley Boy. Dooley Boy. All the, uh, the workers on the farm called him Dooley Boy. And uh, I guess, I don't know. Uh, I kind of dodged the bullet in a way <laughs> by moving away. No, uh, they'd, they'd tease me. Hey, you, you must be little Dooley's Dooley boy. And I'd go, well, yes, sir. You can just call me Jay Robert. <laughs> <laughs> um, karaoke. Have you ever karaokeed in your life, Jay Robert? I have never. Uh, I haven't. I believe uh, you. You know, it would be a lot of fun. <laughs> I've seen people have a lot of fun with it. And uh, I don't know. I just um, you need to find I've, a karaoke bar. Do one of those hip hop. What did you call it? You know, uh, hip hop. Hip hop. <laughs> I tell you what. No, I've got. Uh, I've composed uh, background tracks, especially to my own songs. But uh, I've composed some background tracks. You know, for a wedding or something. They need the real thing, uh, uh, or the uh, representation of it. So I. That's. That's about as close as I've come to it. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were a championship wrestler, what music would you use to enter the arena? Da, da, besides this, the classics? But yeah, besides uh, the obvious yeah, ones. the obvious ones. Okay, I would probably um, throw on some uh, Mercury Blues. That would be a good <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, because he's coming on. Uh, I like the introduction to my uh, Cowboy Cadillac band. That'd be, you know, um, our drummer really laid it out right. Hmm. Um, it's thunderous. And then, dun, 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 dun. Yeah, so just don't sing the words. <laughs> <laughs> How many stringed instruments do you own, approximately? And you hit the key there, stringed instruments. I was trying to, I have a follow-up question. <laughs> okay, well, okay, uh, uh Get your fingers out. Okay. <laughs> uh, of course, guitar, but I, I like the 12-string guitar. I've got a beautiful classical guitar, a baritone guitar, uh, ukuleles. Uh, of course, uh, Gibson and a Fender, um, but mandolins. I've got a couple mandolins. Fiddles, three fiddles that I keep on hand. Um, I know there's some more. <laughs> Banjos. You know, I bought a ba- I. I bought a banjo, and all of a sudden, people were giving me banjos. I don't know why. Probably to get rid of them. <laughs> but uh, I've got a, a six-string banjo and three five-string banjos, and we're up to about fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, just a bunch of strings. Yeah. I, I'm always breaking strings, um, and that's that's about it. Do you have any uh, tenor guitars? No, I don't. I've got two. That's what I play. Cool. I've got a Kent tenor guitar (laughs) from that was that was brought in. Probably it was Kent. Do you know Kent Uh guitars? That was, as I understand it, it was um, it was the first Japanese. Oh, really? It was actually the first after like World War II. It was kind of bad form to try to sell musical instruments from Japan. And in the early '60s, Kent started bringing a man called him Kent, and I have mm-hmm. a Kent uh, nylon string mm-hmm. tenor, and then I have a newer steel string tenor. Love that I play. it! I love it. Yeah, we we have to get you in, on a, <laughs> you know, just for fun. I would like that. I've yeah. only ever played by myself, but I think I'd play with you. <laughs> 
I swear, I want to. Uh, I started this ten thousand songs show, and ever since then, I've been thinking. You know, uh, if we could get the building, uh, it's down in Goodland. It's an old uh, uh, boat building uh, garage, but uh, it's turned into a theater now. We have two stages. And if I could get it for an extra night, I think I'd like to have amateur night on acoustic, yeah. just like the old time, one microphone. Yeah. And everybody, uh, if you play banjo, well, I'm going to take it away from you and give it to him and yeah. give you a mandolin you've never played before. And here's a D chord, and here's a G I've, chord. I've held a mandolin a few times in my life. It's yeah. all upside down or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's just double strung. Um, but, uh, but you also play yeah. um, some non stringed instruments, like what you got harmonica. Steel drums? Oh, yeah. St- thank you. <laughs> seems like there's Steel probably, band. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, Actually, but it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of crossover between like banjos and mandolins and steel drums, but maybe, yeah. maybe I'm wrong. No, actually, I love the steel pan. You know, I do just enough piano to do the theory, but the steel pan is built around the circle of fifths going one way, circle of fourths going the other way. Huh. People ask. How how you learn it, and it's really pretty basic. You just uh, uh, you, you learn your scales and your chords and your melodies. And you know if anybody can, if the the chords are so basic that a couple notes are together, and this one's over here. And if you yeah, for the one chord, and then move it over here a little bit for the yeah, fourth yeah. chord, and move it back over this Everything's way for relative, the fifth chord. So yeah. once you figure out the shape, you just right. move your hands around. Exactly. Huh. And so you can play any key with uh, the same shape, only it's somewhere around <laughs> the other side of the steel pan. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, it really is. It's a, it's a lot of fun because it's, uh, it, it's physical. Yeah. Um, if you could broadcast a song into the head of everyone on the planet together at once, what song would you create in their brains? I remember now that I've got all the time in the world, don't I? You do. <laughs> I should have <laughs> listened to that earlier. I've been just jabbering. Uh, one song t- to project into mm-hmm. everybody's. Okay. It's this. It's one of the songs I would have uh, put on my third choice. Uh, just before George Harrison passed away, he produced a song, not only with Ravi Shankar, but for Ravi Shankar, called Chant. Mm. And the whole album is a collection of various Indian chants. And George's touch was just to... Uh, it was it, to orchestrate it basically it some of the chants would have simply been uh one person singing or uh singing accompanied by maybe one instrument or two instruments but rather george brought it, symphonized it hmm. and each one i i'll play these to this day too it's just classic classic indian but um uh, um, any one of those songs yeah. on that album Just would do well. That. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's a song I would share with anybody because it's a, it's an energy thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the energy transcends language, time, and uh, it's a good thing to uh, 
meditate on perhaps i don't know i like to do my yoga with it because mm-hmm. it brings <laughs> brings it out it, g- it gives me something to look forward to when i i get lost in it it's just just like uh debussy again or bach a really good bach you you get lost in it they, they get hold of your head mm-hmm. and uh all of a sudden you aren't just you anymore you are the world you are you are at one with the world so that's I would recommend uh, chants. Hmm. Um, what would your fourteen-year-old self think of you having lived on Marco Island, playing Jimmy Buffett music, and have a, a house full of stringed instruments? Not nuclear physicist. <laughs> I know. I tell you what, he would have been odd. Uh, once again, I'm going to take a moment and breath. I would have been amused, hmm. just totally amused. I'd say, how you do this? <laughs> what? what? What is this? I would have just been amazed and in wonder. Um, I would have been in wonder of uh, just how do you play fiddle like that? Yeah. How do you uh, – and go to another instrument and – Play them at the same time, harmonicas and guitars and stuff. And so, in other words, I, I, I would have been dangerous because I would have learned a lot quicker back then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have uh, sucked up all the knowledge that I know now. It's just taking me over 70 years to attain. Uh, as a 14-year-old, sure. I just, I just, <laughs> and it would taste so good. Hmm. Well, now it is time for you to recommend your three people. Oh, boy. And uh, I'm just taking the my accompaniments. You know, Sheena, has she been on this show? No, no. Boy, I tell you what. I think we've asked her at some point. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm sure John has at least mentioned it to her, but we would love to have her for sure. Wow. Yeah, she's a dynamo. Uh, um, my friend Tim McGarry. And uh, Marie Nofsinger, she's right up there because she's helped me so much with this show. And Captain Jack has always been there by my side. So what's that? That's, That's four, four, but we're going to let you slide because I want <laughs> Sheena, so we'll, we'll make it a four. Okay, and we'll get Captain Jack another time. Okay. I think Marie's, uh, uh, she's a jewel. Hmm. She, she'll fill you in on all the Florida folk uh, histories. Any final thoughts you want to leave us with, Mr. J.R., Mr. John Robert? Well, and I'll suggest something that I mentioned earlier about your wonderful daughter in a world where we can be anything. Be kind. Be kind. For this week's parting tune, we're handing it off to J. Robert. This is him performing his original song, Human Chain, in our studio. We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Calligan is host and online content producer. Our production assistant is Jared the Intern Gonzalez. Christophus is executive producer. And our theme song was made by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. When storms of life 
Make it so hard to survive Every woman, man, and child alive Feels lucky to get through the night It's a human chain Stronger than a hurricane Never giving up, never giving out, never giving in We always come back Stronger than ever Stick by stick Brick by brick Day by day We're here to stay Bigger And better than ever before It's a human chain Human chain When it's hand to mouth North East, west, or south Caring is what it's all about Love is all there is, no doubt There's a human chain Here to take away the pain Never giving up, never giving out Never giving in Always come back Bigger Stronger than ever Hand in hand Side by side Across this land Taking pride Bigger And better than ever before It's a human change Family, friends and neighbors Thank you for your labors And with your strength and love Hope will rise above Sisters and brothers Fathers and mothers Flesh and blood Through fire and flood Wind and rain will shine again Bigger and better than ever before Bigger and better Stronger than ever Bigger and better than ever before Never given up given out never given in keep listening